So our scripture message this morning is from Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 22. And our message today is entitled, well, I am who I am. This is the Lord's word. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israel had reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to, say to the Israelites, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have washed over you and have seen what has, has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise to bring you out of your misery and into Egypt, into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. 
And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor, and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone, once again. What a joy it is to gather together as God's people and to hear his word. As we continue this journey on Exodus 1 through 18 about the God who delivers, it is much like looking back at our ancestors and looking back at how they lived and looking back of how they engaged with their God. We ourselves, as people of the new covenant, we live in the light of Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection. We live in the spirit of the, the spirit and the time of that same spirit who lives in us and who has engaged our hearts to live our lives for him and his glory. We know that the answer to every question in the Old Testament is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so we live in the present, but living in the present does not mean that we forget about our past and, and to forget about the history that God has given us. And as we continue this series in Exodus 1 through 18, my hope is that you yourselves would be in awe of this God that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is your God. That the God who delivered Israel out of Egypt is your God. That the God who did all these miracles in the past is the same God who sustains you. The same God who will bring you into glory. The goal of this series is for us to give praise unto him. The goal is to look in history and say, the biblical history, and say, God, how great and wonderful you truly are. And I pray that today and as we continue on this series, that Exodus 1 through 18 will be more than just a movie that you saw when you were a kid but that the story, the story of redemption would give you a greater love to our God, a greater sense of his holiness and his kindness unto his people. So here in Exodus chapter 3, we have one of the seminal chapters in all the Old Testament. The time that Moses goes and sees a bush, and this bush is burning, but is not consumed. And we know that this bush that is burning, that is not consumed, is the presence of God himself. And Moses, in his curiosity, draws near, but God says to him, stop, don't come too close, for the place that you're approaching is holy ground. It is holy because I am here. It is holy because I 
and present. Take off your shoes. And Moses meets with him and hears the voice of the Lord. Moses trembling, wondering what it is this God has in store for him. Why is it that God is appearing to him? We have to recognize that when God appears to his people, especially in the Old Testament, when God calls a prophet, God appears in these great theophanies and his appearances, and he always appears as a God that is holy, a God that is other, a God that is greater, a God that needs to be worshipped. And so Moses is reminded not to forget that God is more than just a friend. God is more than someone who's there with a listening ear. But that God is someone to whom we must bow down and simply worship. I find this lesson very heartening to our day and age today. We have forgotten the holiness of God, the bigness and the greatness of who he is and what he has accomplished. He is not like you and me. He is completely other. God is love, joy, peace, patience, all those things, holiness, wrapped up into something that is undefined. And we worship him just because of who he is. Now, God is gracious. When we are in his presence, God does not simply consume us. But God does something else. God says in this passage over and over and over again, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and after a while, you're like, okay, God, we got the message. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember in chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, God says, remember, I am going to remember my promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. You see, this God who is holy, this God who is totally other, is also the God who drew near to our forefathers, who made a covenant with them, a promise with them, and who dwelled amongst them and chose them to be a great nation. And so even though God is this holy other, God is also the God who has drawn near to his people and has named them. Abraham. Remember Abraham? You would, come on, Israelites. Do you remember Abraham? Remember Isaac? Remember Jacob? They're your forefathers. I'm their God. I call them by name. And I will call you by name as well. You see, Exodus chapter 3 is a revelation 
of God's holiness, otherness, but also God's kindness, his love, and his nearness. And this picture of God that we see is important for us as believers to understand that God is both holy and merciful. And we cannot separate those two things, right? If God is only holy without his mercy, then he is a God to simply fear and to be a slave to forever and ever. On the other hand, if we see God as just a friend or merciful without the holiness, that's not mercy. It's just a kind friend who always says right words to us. But God is both. And we cannot worship God or draw near to God without seeing his holiness and his mercy at the same time. Well, this is the God that Moses is encountering. He is fearful on the one hand, but he's hopeful that this God that he has grown to know will save his people. And what is interesting here is that what we see in action, what we see in this narrative, can be actually boiled down to the name that that God himself has revealed about who he is. Remember, Moses says, listen, okay, you're going to send me, you're going to send me to Pharaoh. I'm going to say, let my people go. Um, He's going to say, no. I got to do a lot of wonderful work and stuff like that to, to get them to, 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 to let, let, let us go to worship you on a mountain. But I have a question. I know you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know that you have this covenant relationship with them. But who can I say has sent me? What's your name? Uh, this might seem like a very perplexing question, but it's, it's, it's actually very common in the ancient Near East. You have to say, in, in what God's name are you performing this miracle? Who is the God of the rain? Well, we got to call on his name or her name for the rain to fall. Who is the God of fertility? Well, we got to call on his or her name in order for there to be blessing. So the question that Moses is asking is very similar. Whose name? Who are you? You say that you're the God who delivers. Well, what is your name that I can go to Pharaoh and say, so-and-so has told me that you must let his people go to worship him on this mountain. But Moses, well, Moses was not ready for this response. And Jesus, God simply says to him, I am who I am. And let me tell you, in any other, any other person's but God's mouth, that would be the, the worst mistake you can make. Imagine children. If your teacher said to you, what is your name? And you said, I am who I am. They would look at you and go, what what does that mean? I am who I am. 
But also God's answer, I am who I am, is a non-answer as well. Because God did not want to pigeonhole himself as a God of rain or a God of fertility or a God of war. God is simply God. Undefinable. Ineffable. Completely divine. Incomprehensible. God is simply God. But there are two things here about his name that I want to impress upon you. First is that this name is actually his personal name. This non-answer answer has become his personal name. He is simply, as we say today, Yahweh. That that is his personal name. Yahweh. We see in the Bible that that name, if you have a Bible, if you ever see the large print Lord, L-O-R-D, if you all see it all capitals, L-O-R-D, that's actually the Hebrew word translated into Yahweh. So anytime you see capital L-O-R-D, you can actually say Yahweh. If you see lowercase L-O-R-D, that's the word Adonai, which means simply, well, Lord. But the people of God has actually have seen that his covenant name, Yahweh, this name that draws the people of Israel near to him has been revealed to them. And they can call him by that name. You know, every once in a while, you'll see children calling their parents by their first name. And the parents will look at them. You're not allowed to say my first name. But God has said to us, you can call me by my personal name. You can call me by my covenantal name. Because I belong to you. And you belong to me. This is what Moses is experiencing. This God is my God. I know his name, right? And he knows my name. We're buddies. He is with me. On the other hand, the name Yahweh is this, this, this Hebrew word simply, I am who I am, or he will be what he will be. It just depends on which translation you want to use in the Hebrew. But it also defines who he is. That God is simply a God of self-existence. That God is something that is completely other than us. He cannot be defined. God is simply God. God is both personal and God is simply God. I know many of you out here, you have children you thought long and hard about what name to give them. And if your parents are around, they're they're probably thinking, the name I give them will determine their future. (laughs) Right? That'll determine their future. That somehow that name will speak into existence what they will become. But 
Why do we do that? Well, we ourselves, we cannot divine our futures. We are not gods that we can conjure up who we are or what we want to be. But God himself can do that. My name is I am who I am. I will be what I will be. This name that almost seemed nonsensical in the beginning begins to take shape and be meaningful to the people of Israel. You and I, when we encounter God, we always have this duality as well that we're wrestling with. Do I approach a holy God or a merciful God? Do I call God my, the other that I need to worship and bow down and get on my knees to pray to? Or do I call him friend and, and walk with him in the park and, and, and talk with him and, and worship him that way? And every person in every culture and in every church has wrestled with going one way or another, either the transcendence of God or the imminence of God, his, his otherness or his nearness to us. And we see that even in the, in the Jewish religion. You know that the name of Yahweh itself is not to be spoken. It's one of the reasons why in your Bibles you will never see, you, you rarely see the word Yahweh for Lord. You know, it, for me as a, you know, as a, as a pastor and, and, and if I were to translate the Hebrew, I would just write Y-H-W-H. I would have no problem with that. But throughout history, the, the name of Yahweh was so holy that no one was to speak it and no one was to write it. During the Middle Ages, if, if you were to mistakenly on the chalkboard, if you know what a chalkboard is, right? If you were to write the letters of Yahweh in Hebrew up there, you were not allowed to erase it. You would have to cut that part out or, or take the whole chalkboard, have a ceremony, and bury it. To them, God himself, that name Yahweh, did not be, was not a name that was near. It was a name that was far for them. And we ourselves see our own lives going back and forth. God is holy. God is near. But we see that the answer to all of this is throughout redemptive history. It, it comes to its conclusion about God's transcendence and imminence in the person of, well, Jesus himself. In the Gospel of John, John is, is a masterful writer, and, and he sees how Jesus addresses himself. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. And these I am sayings in the New Testament, the I am part, in Greek it's this, this phrase called ego emi, just I am, I am, ego emi. The translation for I am who I am into Greek is that same, same phrase from the Hebrew. And what Jesus is saying there is that this great I am that appeared to Moses is me. 
I am the great I am. I am that light of the world. And in Jesus Christ, this conundrum of, just, of, of God's justice and God's mercy becomes solved in the person of Christ himself. The justice that, that is deserved for all of us is the, is the justice of death. Sin needs to be taken accounted, be account, taken accounted for. At the same time, God is the God of mercy, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you are the children of Abraham. And in Christ himself has a great holy God appeared in flesh. And the great holy God was merciful. For to appease his own holiness, he laid down his life. To save his people, to show mercy, again, he laid down his life. It is in Christ Jesus that the promises in Exodus 3 are fulfilled. Today, when you worship God, you do not worship him as far You do not need to make a pilgrimage anywhere. All we need to do is gather as God's people and the Spirit is present. And the Spirit allows us, as we do here every Sunday, to confess our sins to a holy God, but at the same time to know that he forgives us, to revel in the God who is other and who is near to us at the same time to worship him with our hands lifted high, with fear, holy fear, but at the same time know that God is close and near to us. What joy we have, brothers and sisters, to worship Jesus, a God like this. What is God's name? It's Yahweh. He has revealed himself to you. He knows your name. You know his name. Who is this Yahweh? Someone to worship. Someone to bow the knee to. Someone to follow. But let us remember, at the very end of redemption, it is the name of Jesus by which we are all saved. Jesus, the name that which means he who saves. He has saved you. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Um, There is no one like you. And Lord, we, we love your Bible. And we love your stories. And Father, we know that if we read your Bible over 
thousands and thousands of times, we would still just only get the tip, tip of the iceberg of who you are in your, in your glory. But here we are, Lord God. For we know, Lord, that even that small taste that we have is more than sufficient, Lord God. To sustain, to sustain us, to encourage us. And so, Lord, we ask of you, Lord God, to give us a heart to read your word and to hear your word. Thank you that you have, re- you have written your very name on our hearts. And may we respond to you in adoration. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.